Tonight's message will come from various passages of Scripture, so we're not going to have a Scripture reading, uh, different passages of the Bible. And as I told you this morning, I'm starting a series this evening on the Holy Spirit. So the first message, there you have the theme up on the screen, on the wall, who is He? So if we talk of the Holy Spirit, who is He? Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Our Father in heaven, we draw near to the throne of grace, desiring truly and deeply to be men and women and children of God, and to walk by the Spirit, and to live courageously and upright lives in this present age in the fear of God. And I pray that you would now speak to us from your word, and you would give us understanding, an understanding heart and mind, and lead us by the Spirit in the way of obedience. That we would fear no man, but fear the living God, the infinite one, the holy one, the righteous one, the eternal one. Amen. Now you know what happens to uh, 14-year-old Jane. She's just started horse riding lessons. And she's in the beginning stages of learning to ride a horse. And she feels herself slipping while the horse is trotting along. And she feels she's going to fall to the left. And as she feels herself slipping, she lets go of the reins and she grabs a hold of the saddle and pulls herself and falls off on the other side. We call that overcompensation. And that can, that can happen exactly uh, the same in the Christian life and when it comes to Christian teaching, Christian doctrine, that we can listen to preachers teach on the Holy Spirit and you can switch on your TV, uh, on TBN, and listen to some prosperity preachers and you'll hear phrases like, I release the Spirit, and all of that kind of thing. And we get so afraid of that, we're falling off on the left side of the horse, that we let go of the reins, grab a hold of the saddle, and yank ourselves, and we fall off on the other side, so that now we are afraid of the Holy Spirit, and we're afraid of talking about the Holy Spirit, and teaching about the Holy Spirit, and thinking about the Holy Spirit. So it's an overcompensation, and then you start avoiding this whole doctrine and more importantly the person of the Holy Spirit. That's what Quiz preached last, was it uh, two Sunday mornings ago um, on the Holy Spirit. And actually the whole Bible speaks to us about the Holy Spirit and so we can have a, a whole evening just going through verse by verse of what Old and New Testament says. Where's the very first verse in the Bible that speaks about the Holy Spirit? It's in Genesis 1, second verse. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters, uh, the, the, the darkness. Uh, and the very last verse about the Holy Spirit is in the last chapter of the Bible, Revelation 22, verse 17, where we read about the Holy Spirit in the church, the bride, crying to the Lord, to Lord Jesus, come. So from beginning to end in your Bible, we have teaching about the Holy Spirit. Who is He? So we're going to answer that um, I'm going to give two answers to that. The first answer, if we want to say, who is He? The Holy Spirit is 
God. Now, the Jehovah's Witnesses, you can go and check out on their website, jw.org, and you'll see that, that the Jehovah's Witnesses say the Holy Spirit is not God. The Holy Spirit is just an active force. Uh, like they would say in some, was it Star Trek or Star Wars? Where did they say the force be with you? Yes, and so the Holy Spirit is just a force. He's just a power. He's not God. Well, the Bible teaches differently. The Bible teaches us in the book of Acts, Handelinger, Acts chapter 5, verse 3 and 4, you will read that Ananias and Sapphira, they lied to whom? The Holy Spirit. And Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? In the next verse, you have not lied to men, but to God. Peter says, if you lie to the Holy Spirit, you lie to God. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17, we read, The Spirit is the Lord. The Lord is the Spirit. And in verse 18 at the end, this comes by the Lord, who is the Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is Lord. The Holy Spirit has got all the attributes of the Father and the Son. He shares them. So the Holy Spirit is Almighty. Who created the world? The Holy Spirit. Obviously the Father and the Son also, but Genesis 1 verse 2. The Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Job chapter 33 verse 4. The very last of Job's friends, not the three, but that other young guy, Elihu, he said these words, The Spirit of God has made me. So the Holy Spirit creates and the Holy Spirit sustains. He keeps everything living in creation. What would happen if the Spirit of God withdraws? Everything would die. Everything would disintegrate. But Psalm 104 verse 30 says, you can check this, God sends forth His Spirit and they are created. So the Holy Spirit is almighty. I mean, you, you have to be the almighty one if you can create, right? Are there other gods that can create? Other gods are not even alive. They're dead. Who created the human nature of Jesus in the womb of Mary? The Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will conceive. The virgin will conceive. So the Holy Spirit will overshadow you, Mary. And the baby in your womb will be called the Son of God. The Holy Spirit is sovereign. That means He's in control of everything and He does what He pleases. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, when it speaks of the spiritual gifts in verse 11, it says the Holy Spirit dis distributes these gifts as He wills, according to His will, as He pleases. And then just a few verses down in 1 Corinthians 12, 18, it says God has so put the body together as He wanted to, as He wills. So who is that God who distributes the gifts as He pleases? The Holy Spirit. And yes, the Father and the Son too. We'll talk on that when we get to the spiritual gifts. Who is the only one who is eternal from everlasting to everlasting? God. Hebrews 9 verse 14 speaks of the eternal Spirit. So if He's eternal, who is He? The Holy Spirit is omnipresent. Alomteenwoordig. Hij is oorlteenwoordig. Psalm 139 verse 7. Where shall I flee from your, or go from your spirit? Where shall I flee from your presence? If I 
Go up to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in shield, you are there. So where shall I flee from your spirit? The Holy Spirit is infinite. In Afrikaans, oneindig. The Holy Spirit has no beginning and He has no end. Uh, Isaiah chapter 40, in verse 12 it says, Who has measured the heavens? Who has measured the universe? Is the universe without beginning and end? No. Some people think it, ends, it never ends. Obviously, of course it ends. Otherwise, the creation is as big as the Creator. So there's an end, and you might say, but what's on the other side, God? Who has measured this, the heavens with a span? So God has measured it with a span. But the next verse, who has measured the Spirit of God? No one. The Holy Spirit has no beginning and He has no end. The Holy Spirit is omniscient, all-knowing, all-vietant. Acts chapter 1 verse 16, Peter is busy talking to all the disciples. And then he says to the 120 disciples, The Holy Spirit foretold this beforehand. He said these things would happen. So he knows all things. In 1 Corinthians 2 verse 10 and 11, the Apostle Paul writes, Who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person who is in him? Who knows what Charles is thinking right now? Who knows what Tony Lynette is thinking right now? Only Tony Lynette and only Charles, obviously God, but only your own spirit knows. Who knows all the thoughts of God? The spirit of God. 1 Corinthians 2 10 and 11, go and read that. So if the Spirit of God knows all God's thoughts, how many thoughts are those? Infinite. The Holy Spirit is holy. He is the Holy Spirit. Who is the Holy One? God. If the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit or the Spirit of Holiness, Romans 1 verse 4, then He's God. The Holy Spirit is glorious. Does God share His glory with anyone? No. Isaiah 48 verse 11. But the Holy Spirit is called the Spirit of Glory, 1 Peter 4 verse 14. Jesus is called the Lord of Glory, James 2 verse 1 and 1 Corinthians 2 verse 8. The Father is called the Father of Glory, Ephesians 1 17. And we read of the God of Glory, Acts chapter 7 verse 2. So if He's the Spirit of Glory, who is He? The Holy Spirit is gracious. Aaron prayed this in the prayer meeting before the service. In Hebrews 10 verse 29, we read of the Spirit of grace. The Holy Spirit is truth. Not, not only true, but truth. He is truth itself. 1 John 5 verse 6, it says the Spirit is the truth. He is the standard of all truth. He is the fountain of all truth, like the Father and the Son. And then, here are some other verses that show the Holy Spirit is God. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. But are there verses that say your body is a temple of God? Yes, 1 Corinthians 3 verse 16 and 17. 1 Corinthians 6 verse 19 and 20 it says your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. So who is the Holy Spirit again? I know you've, you don't have to answer them all. You know the answer. Uh, what about the next one? If we read in the New Testament, we read of being born again. You are born of the Spirit. 
It says in John chapter 3, verse 5 to 8. But 1 John 3, verse 9 says we are born of God. So that spirit must be God. What about the spiritual gifts? Who gives us the gifts? God. 1 Peter 4, verse 10 and 11 says God has given these gifts. 1 Corinthians 12 says who has given the gifts? The spirit. So who's that spirit? Thank you. Who spoke through the prophets? Who inspired the Bible to make certain that the words we have here are God's words, even though they're written by men? The Holy Spirit. But my Bible says all Scripture is inspired by God. But 2 Peter 1, that's 2 Timothy 3.16, 2 Peter 1 says in verse 21, no prophet, no prophecy comes from someone's own interpretation. But these holy men of God, they spoke as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And then here's a final one for you. Does the Holy Spirit share the same name with the Father and the Son? Baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Did I quote the verse right? Yes, I did. It would have been wrong if I said, baptize them in the names of of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's not three names. It's one name. It's one being. It's one person. God is one in three and three in one. Can you imagine saying, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Apostle Paul? Paul said, no one was baptized in my name in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. So if you can say, baptize them, and you equate the Holy Spirit with the Father and the Son, it means the Holy Spirit is equal to the Father and the Son. One person, or one, one God, three persons. And, and the, early, the early Christians, the early church, they confessed it this way. In the Nicene Creed, which was later adapted uh, in uh, Constantinople, and later in, in Toledo in Spain in 589, but it, it says, I believe in the Holy Spirit, the giver of life, the Lord and the giver of life who proceeds from the Father and the Son, and together with the Father and the Son, should be worshipped and glorified. The Holy Spirit who spoke by the prophets. Now that's true, that confession. The Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father and the Son. In Afrikaans, hy gaan uit van die Vader en die Seen. That is true. Jesus said in, in John 15 verse 26, the Spirit who proceeds from the Father. Whose spirit is He? The spirit of? Specifically? The spirit of the Father or the Son? Both. Both. He's called the spirit of the Father in Matthew chapter 10 verse 20. And then also, He's called the spirit of Christ. In Romans 8 verse 9. Actually, Romans 8 verse 9 says, the Spirit of God, and in the next line in the same verse, the Spirit of Christ. He's the Spirit of Jesus in Acts 16 verse 16 and 7, uh, 6 and 7. He's the Spirit of Jesus Christ in Philippians 1 verse 19. He's the Spirit of God's Son in Galatians chapter 4 verse 6. So whose Spirit is He? The Spirit of the Father and the Son. Then it means the Father and the Son are one, right? Jesus said that, I and the Father are one. John chapter 10 verse 30. Now this spirit of the Father and the Son, who sent this spirit to us? The Father or the Son? 
son, father, and the answer is father, son. Yes, the father and the son. So Jesus said in John chapter chapter 16, verse 7, I will send the spirit. But it says in John chapter 14, verse 26, the spirit whom the father will send in my name. And in John 15, verse 26, the Father will, or I will send the Spirit, but the Spirit proceeds from the Father. Wow. So that means, again, He does proceed from the Father and the Son. They are one. Now, this is wonderful. I've shared this before in sermons. I just discovered this about uh, two, no, no, this must have been about three or four years ago. It was wonderful. I was listening to a sermon by Michael Reeves. Must have been longer than four years. Never, never mind. So listening to the sermon, and then he mentioned some things, and my brain started, the, the, the gears started turning, the hamsters started running inside, and, and then I saw verses saying this. For instance, in, in Proverbs, Spreker, chapter 8, verse 30, you read of wisdom, and then you realize, wait a minute, this wisdom is not a something, it's a someone. And then you read about wisdom, the wisdom of God, and it says, wisdom is now talking, saying, I delighted in the Father. I delighted in God before the creation of the world. And, and all my rejoicing and, the, and, the, and God delighted in His wisdom. And the New Testament comes and tells you about Jesus Christ. He is the wisdom of God. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 24. So this is the Father and the Son delighting in one another. Perfect joy, perfect love between the Father and the Son. But now something happens. That love is not a something. That love is a someone between the Father and the Son. Bringing the love of the Father to the Son and the love of the Son to the Father. Oh, now you've got a third someone. And that is the Holy Spirit. And so you've got perfect joy between the Father and the Son. And perfect love. And isn't the fruit of the Spirit love? Joy? And so on. So now... You've got this communion between the Father and the Son and the Spirit of eternal joy and infinite joy and love. And you know what happens. The rest is history. It just spills over and God desires to create for His own glory. And we receive the benefits of sunshine, as I said this morning, and rain and the freshness of, of wet soil with the first rain when the spring comes and blossoms everywhere and fruit in summer and all this joy of God just spilling over and the love of God spilling over. And then it spills over to us and it's the very same Spirit that brings the love of the Father and the Son to our hearts. Romans 5 verse 5, God has poured His love into your heart by the Holy Spirit whom He has given to you. And Romans 15 verse 30 speaks of the love of the Spirit. And how wonderful we enjoy these. Actually, the Holy Spirit is involved in every part of your life. Who created you in your mother's womb? It was the Spirit. Job 33 verse 4, I mentioned it earlier. Who, who is the one who keeps you breathing and gives you life? In God we live and move and have our being. It says Acts 17 verse 28. But who specifically? Psalm 104 again verse 30. He sends forth His Spirit and they are created. Who is the one who gives you all these good things you enjoy? In this world, it's the Spirit, it's the Spirit. In Psalm 143 verse 10, the psalmist speaks of 
your good spirit. Or in Nehemiah 9 verse 20, your good spirit led the people of Israel through the desert, through the wilderness. Or Isaiah 63 verse 14, it says God's spirit gave them rest, these Israelites. Uh, And the same then in Luke chapter 11. Now we know the verse, Kurs actually uh, actually preached on this two weeks ago in Luke 11 verse 13. How much more will your Father who is in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? But in Matthew it says, how much more will God the Father give good things to those who ask Him? So these good things that the Father gives us, who gives them to us? He sends the Spirit. And so when you pray and God answers those prayers, who brings the answer? It's the Holy Spirit. What about healing? When you're ill and you get well, who heals the body? Well, one of the gifts, the spiritual gifts, is the gift of healing. And who gives that gift? It's the Spirit. What about salvation? Who gave Jesus Christ power? I know Jesus is God, but Jesus never cheated, saying, I'm just going to draw on my divine nature and help myself out and turn the stones into bread. I'm the Son of God. He never did that. When He lived on earth, He lived as a human being, although He is God. And He's always been God and will never cease to be God. But he decided, I will do everything in the power of the Spirit and in obedience to my Father. So even when Jesus died, Hebrews 9 verse 14, he offered up himself as a sacrifice through the eternal Spirit. Who is the one who convicts you of sin? The Spirit convicts us of sin. John 16 verse 8. Who is the one who gives you new life? Who gives you the new birth? The new birth from above. Regeneration it's called. John 3 verse 3 or verse 5 to 8. It's the Spirit who gives us the new birth. And then, as we continue in the Christian life, who is the one who sets you apart from the world for God? The sanctification of the Spirit. 1 Peter 1 verse 2. Who is the one? Who is the one who comes and dwells in you and is like a seal on your life to say you belong to God. You will not lose your salvation. You will have eternal life. Christ has sealed us with the Holy Spirit. Who is the one who has adopted you into God's family so that you wouldn't be an orphan? The Spirit of adoption. Romans 8 verse 15. Who is the one who is the one who brings you and makes you a part of the body of Christ? You were baptized in the Spirit, into the Spirit, into the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians 12 verse 13. Who is the one who makes you grow spiritually and become more and more like Jesus and hate sin more and more and desire to be obedient? The fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience and so on. Who is the one who helps you to battle against sin and to say no to sin and to grieve about sin if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body you will live? Romans 8 verse 13b. Who is the one who teaches you God's Word? So you're busy reading your Bible. You're busy listening to a sermon. You're busy preparing a sermon. Who is the one who teaches us? Jesus said in John 14 verse 26, That when the Spirit comes, the Helper, the Spirit of Truth, Jesus said, He will teach you. He will remind you of everything I've said. He will teach you all things. So you're praying. 
Who gives you the, the ability to pray? Who gives you the ability to pray according to God's will? We pray to the Father, through the Son, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 2 verse 18, go and read that. Romans 8, 26 and 27. Even when you struggle to pray, who prays for you? Yes, I know Jesus intercedes, but the Spirit works in your heart and prays. And then this one I've said, 1 Corinthians 12. 1 Corinthians 12, who gives you the, the spiritual gift so you can serve in the church? Yes. Who helps you to evangelize? You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses. And the rest of the verse. So you're living in Nigeria, in northern Nigeria, and you're a Christian. You're living in Saudi Arabia, and you're a Christian. You're living in South Africa, and you're a Christian. And people at work don't like that very much, or people in your family, you're the only Christian in your family, and they push you out. How will you deal with the persecution? Do not be afraid what you will say when they bring you before courts and all of that, or before... What, the CCMA? Yeah, what's I didn't say now? Do not be afraid. Who will give you the words to speak? The Spirit of God. Luke chapter 12, verse 11 and 12. When you are persecuted, even when you put on the stake and they're going to burn you or feed you to lions, you're living in the second century or the third century or, or whenever, and that happens to you, do not be afraid because the Spirit of God and of glory rests on you when you suffer in that way. So you're wondering, that you, you're wondering about your salvation? You're doubting? And everyone else sees that you truly believe in Jesus, and in your heart you know you've repented and trusted in Christ, but you're still doubting. Who helps you? Who gives you assurance of salvation? The Spirit testifies with your spirit that you're a child of God. Romans 8.16 And 1 John 3.24 you can write. And then Jesus comes on the clouds of heaven and suddenly the earth starts rumbling and the graves open and who brings them out of the grave? Oh yes, it's the Son of God speaking. But who goes? Brings them from the dead. The Spirit of God, Romans 8 verse 11. Second answer. So that's the first answer. Who is He? He is God. Second answer. The Holy Spirit is a person. Now, I said that some time ago, not even long ago, and I can't remember who asked me about that. I remember we were standing at the steps, going up to have tea, or maybe coming down, and I said that the Holy Spirit is a person. And someone looked at me with a puzzled face and a question mark. The Holy Spirit is not a human. And I, I said, I didn't say he's a human, I said he's a person. <laughs> So when we say he's a person, what I mean is that he's not an impersonal force like the Jehovah's Witnesses believe. He's not some abstract something, some power. He's a person. Where does the Bible say that the Holy Spirit is a person? Well, I'm going to give you lots of evidence that the Holy Spirit is a person. Can an impersonal force comfort you? No. Can a person? What's the Holy Spirit? What is he called? The Comforter in John 14 verse 16. Can you know, can you know in a personal relationship a force? 
You can know the Holy Spirit, John 14 verse 17. You will know Him, Jesus said. The Holy Spirit has a mind. Romans 8 verse 27. The Holy Spirit knows things. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 10 and 11. And if you have a mind and you know things, you're not an impersonal force. You're a person. The Holy Spirit can talk. The Holy Spirit can teach. The Holy Spirit can remind. The Spirit of God speaks through me. 2 Samuel 23 verse 2. John 14, 26, we saw that, where the Spirit teaches. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 13, He teaches. The Holy Spirit calls people. He calls Ruth, and He calls Kurs, and He calls Ivan, and says, I want you to be elders in this church. And He confirms this by showing everyone in the church, do these men follow Jesus Christ firmly and faithfully? Do these men have the ability to spot false teaching and to give true teaching? And then Acts 20 verse 28 says, The Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God. The Holy Spirit calls missionaries. He says to the church in Antioch, The Holy Spirit said to them, Send out Paul and Barnabas for the work that I have prepared for them. And then it says, And they were sent out by the Holy Spirit. Acts 13 verse 2 and verse 4. The Holy Spirit bears witness about Jesus. And He says, This is the Son of God. This is the One. John 15, verse 26, the Holy Spirit glorifies Jesus. John 16, verse 14, the Holy Spirit convicts people of sin. John 16, verse 8, the Holy Spirit can be sinned against. You can, people blaspheme the Holy Spirit, Jesus said in Matthew 12. People grieve the Holy Spirit. We read in Ephesians 4. People quench the Spirit, 1 Thessalonians 5. People rebel against the Spirit, Isaiah 63. Now, if you can sin against the Holy Spirit, can you sin against a force? Can you sin against electricity? The Holy Spirit is a person. People resist Him. The Holy Spirit can give you assurance of salvation. I quoted that in, from Romans 8. Can a force give you assurance that you're a child of God? The Holy Spirit can pray, as I quoted from Romans. The Holy Spirit prays inside a Christian. Abba, Father, Galatians 4 and Romans 8. The Holy Spirit has emotions. Can the Holy Spirit be joyful? Well, I read of the joy of the Holy Spirit in 1 Thessalonians 1 verse 6. Can the Holy Spirit love us? Romans 15 verse 30 says He can. Can the Holy Spirit be angry? Hebrews chapter 10, verse 29. People enrage the Holy Spirit. They make Him angry. Can the Holy Spirit be sad? Ephesians 4, verse 30. Do not grieve the Spirit of God. Can the Holy Spirit desire things, good things? I read in my Bible of the desires of the Spirit. In Galatians 5, verse 17. The Holy Spirit can take can make decisions. The Holy Spirit has a will. The Holy Spirit decides things. The Holy Spirit leads. 1 Corinthians 12 verse 11, He gives the gifts according to His will. And He decides. Like in Acts chapter 15 verse 28, the apostles and the elders in Jerusalem say, we and the Holy Spirit, or the Holy Spirit and us, we have decided. All the apostles, Apostle Paul is on, his, he's on some missions trip and he wants to go there, Bithynia, and the Holy Spirit stops him. 
And then he wants to go there, and the Spirit of Jesus says no. So he can lead people. A force doesn't lead you. A force doesn't make decisions. A force doesn't have a will. And then obviously the Holy Spirit gives gifts. So a force doesn't do that. <laughs> oh, where did you get that wonderful gift, Mariki? I got it from electricity. No. It is blasphemy to say that the Holy Spirit is just some force. He's just some power. He's not a person. It's like putting your finger in the wall plug and you'll get a shock. And so the Holy Spirit, you just touch the wall plug and people fall over in church because they've, now they've encountered the Holy Spirit. It is sin for us to ignore the Spirit. It is sin for us to forget the Spirit. It is sin for us to let the Holy Spirit out of your life and just kind of, you know, push Him aside. He's like a spare wheel. I'll ask something when I need it. And it's even worse to think that you can control the Holy Spirit at will. <coughs> Sorry. To think you can control the Spirit and say, everyone who wants to receive the Spirit, come forward. Receive the Spirit. Receive the Spirit. I release the Spirit upon you. Receive the anointing. I wave my jacket and everyone falls over. They've now received the Spirit. That is blasphemy. That dishonors God, it dishonors God to speak of the Holy Spirit as, he's, as if He's just some warm, fuzzy feeling. I've got, I've got the Spirit of God and I go all warm and then cold and then get goosebumps and get this feeling up and down my spine. That's, wasn't that what Simon the sorcerer thought he could do with the Holy Spirit? Simon, Simon the magician in Acts chapter 8, verse 18 and 19. Peter, please I will give you money. Then you give me this power that I can give the Holy Spirit to whomever I want. Like you can control the Holy Spirit. Martin Luther said, the Holy Spirit is a beautiful person to be known and loved, not a buzz to be felt. Joel Beakey understands this. Joel Beakey wrote a book and maybe edited because they're different authors. And the title of the book is The Beauty and Glory of the Holy Spirit. My friend Seth Myers understands this. He sent me an email months ago um, on Jonathan Edwards on the Trinity. But the title of the email he wrote to me was Delighting in the Holy Spirit. We should delight in the Holy Spirit. We should see the beauty of the Holy Spirit, the glory of the Holy Spirit. And God willing, next Sunday evening, I'm going to preach on the glory of the Holy Spirit. And show you all the names of the Holy Spirit in the Bible. And all the illustrations of the Spirit. Water, fire, oil, a seal, a dove, and so on. And what those things mean. We should rejoice in the Spirit. Did Jesus rejoice in the Holy Spirit? Luke chapter 10 verse 21. Jesus rejoiced in the Spirit. We should walk in the fear of God and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Says Acts 9 verse 31. Righteousness, joy, peace in the Holy Spirit. Romans 14 verse 17. Now if we say the Holy Spirit is a person, that means you can have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Does, don't I say that very often after the service? May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the 
fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. 2 Corinthians 13 verse 14, Afrikaans Bible verse 13. 13, 13, Afrikaans 13, 14 in English. The Holy Spirit is the paraclete. Now, the paraclete that comes from a Greek word parakletos that you find in John 14. In verse 16, Jesus says, I will send you another helper. And the word paraclete really means to come alongside someone, to come and stand right next to someone, and the Holy Spirit in particular, to come alongside the Christian to give us strength for the battle, to give us strength for discouragements, to give us strength during trials, to comfort us, to inspire us. How does the Holy Spirit come to us? What did Rolf read in Galatians 5? Who listened? How does the Holy Spirit come to us? Well, let me just read from Galatians 5. Oh, Galatians 3. Galatians 3. Verse 2, if you have your Bible open there. Galatians 3, verse 2. Paul says, Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by... Hearing with faith. Verse 4. Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? And then verse 5. Does God who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? How do you receive the Spirit? Faith. Faith in Jesus Christ. Verse 13. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, so that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we might receive the promised Spirit through faith. It is by faith that we receive the Spirit. And then the Spirit leads you. And the Spirit helps you to glorify Jesus. So we can honor Jesus and magnify Jesus. Jesus said that in John 16 verse 14. That the Spirit will come and He will glorify me. Now if Jesus Christ is so important to the Holy Spirit. Should He not be important to us? I heard of a preacher who said that he was busy preaching. And as he preached as he got to Christ in that part of his message, he said, the Holy Spirit just took over. He actually used, used different words. It sounds a bit disrespectful, um, but he said it this way, the Holy Spirit just climbed in and got a hold and grip of the people's hearts. Now, if the Holy Spirit, if Jesus is so important to the Holy Spirit, then we should not sin against our Lord. We should not sin against Christ. What happens if we sin against Christ? If the Holy Spirit so loves to honor the Lord Jesus Christ, if you sin against Christ, the Holy Spirit is grieved. The Holy Spirit, it's like He withdraws. He doesn't leave the Christian, but He withdraws the sense of His nearness and the sense of His presence. What should we do then if we've sinned against Jesus? Then we should confess our sins and we should be cleansed anew and afresh in the blood of Christ. And we should love the Father and the Son. And we should obey the Father and the Son. And what will the Holy Spirit do then? Oh, where the blood of Jesus goes, the Spirit of Jesus goes. 
and the Spirit of Christ will come. In the Spirit of Christ, you will enjoy fellowship when the Spirit comes again and, and gives you... Yes, remember, I, I want to emphasize the Spirit doesn't leave a Christian, but He withdraws a sense of His nearness and His closeness. But when you've confessed your sin and you love Christ and obey Christ and the Father, then the Spirit brings that sense and the Spirit brings near to your heart the Father and the Son. John 14 verse 17 says the Spirit will dwell in you. Verse 23, if you love me, you will obey my commandments and my Father will love you. And the Father and the Son will come and make their dwelling within you. Who brings the Father and the Son to the heart of the Christian? It's the Spirit. So let us love the Spirit. Let us adore the Holy Spirit. Oh, I had wonderful moments this week where I just broke away from sermon preparation and adored the Holy Spirit and worshipped the Spirit and delighted in the Spirit. Let us love the Spirit, rejoice in the Spirit, glorify the Spirit, revere and fear and respect the Holy Spirit and thank Him as we do the Father and the Son. I'm just going to mention two verses to you. I never saw this before this week. I can't even remember what I was reading. Old writers like John Owen and Jonathan Edwards. But this was wonderful to discover. In Isaiah 6 verse 3, you've got these heavenly beings, flaming heavenly beings, fiery beings, seraphim. And they're worshipping God on His throne. Who is the God they're worshipping? And they cry out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. Who is that God they are worshipping? Yes, you will say to me, it's the Father. Yes, you will say to me, it's the Son. Because John 12, verse 40 and 41 says it's the Son. When he quotes from that passage. But did you know there's a verse in the New Testament that quotes from Isaiah 6. And then it says, the Holy Spirit said to Isaiah. Who is being worshipped in Isaiah 6? Just a few verses down in the chapter it says, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Plural, God speaking. Who should be worshipped? The Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Psalm 95 verse 6 where it says, Worship the Lord, kneel before your Maker. Who is that Maker? Who is that Lord we should worship? And then he goes on and said they rebelled in the desert against God, and God warned them, and God said, You will not enter my rest. And God said to them in that same psalm, He says to them, Do not harden your hearts when you hear His voice today, and so on. Who is that God we are speaking of, who says, Don't harden your heart against me? That God in Isaiah 63, it says the Israelites in the desert rebelled against the Holy Spirit. In the New Testament, Hebrews 3 quotes Psalm 95 and it says from those verses, the Holy Spirit said, and he quotes the verses. Who is that God before whom we should kneel? The Holy Spirit. Worship your maker. Worship the Holy Spirit. And Polycarp, I close with this, Polycarp of Smyrna. You know the Jehovah's Witnesses, they say, are oh, the Holy Spirit, to say that He's a person and He's God, it's some idiot in the 4th century who said that. 
The early Christians didn't say that. Uh -uh. I've got a whole string of quotes that I've prepared for this evening and I cut them out of the sermon. Because I thought, this doesn't quite fit, but here's one I am going to give you. And it's from Polycarp. And Polycarp was a friend of the Apostle John. He was born in the year 70 AD. He knew the Apostle John. And Polycarp, when he died, he was martyred, he was burned with fire. When he died, he said these words. He was the very last words he prayed. I praise you, he said to God the Father. I praise you and honor you for everything. Together with your eternal and heavenly Son, Jesus Christ. With whom you and the Holy Spirit is glorified. All the glory belongs to you now and through all ages. Amen. So whom should we worship? Father and Son? Help me. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we come to you in prayer and bow before you, O God of all grace and Lord of glory, Father of glory, Spirit of glory, God of glory. All worship and glory belongs to you now and forevermore. Amen. Alright, I heard that's the end of the service, so receive the blessing of the Lord. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. Amen.